0: Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so happy to be here bringing you the kinetic enterprise built to evolve live it is October something I think it's the 16th 2020 and I'm here with a wonderful group of specialists on our topic today let me tell you what we're going to be talking about this is very, very, very timely very relevant very important for our listeners all around the world so listen up please. Managing the contingent workforce, yes, that's our topic, can add challenges, especially as the COVID-19 crisis, and hopefully a lot of you are pulling out of that and getting back to something called new normal, new abnormal, next something. It requires organizations to respond rapidly to shifting labor needs. We all know the workforce has changed. Where are they? Are they productive? Can they focus? Are they dealing with distractions? A lot is at stake. With the procurement of external services and contract-based engagements representing a significant proportion of organization spending. They also have to consider their business processes and their IT platform integration. It's a lot to think about. How can you, I'm talking to our worldwide listeners, organizations, industries, companies, people, entrepreneurs, startups, established behemoths, I call them. How can you build an integrated services procurement solution For reducing costs, hey, got to look at the bottom line. Decreasing cycle times, faster, faster. Boosting efficiency, that's what we want. And increasing productivity. Those are the challenges. Our panel will cover leading practices for spend transformation, which is going to help all of you, we hope. They're going to explore potential bottom line business benefits, because that's what it's all about, share real-world transformation examples, and discuss how you can integrate solutions such as SAP Fieldglass and other technologies to support the built-to-evolve kinetic enterprise, and that's the title of our show. So I have Deloitte's Franz Dajalette, I practiced his last name very carefully, and he told me I could use the French pronunciation, Dajalet. We have Sibi Scaria and we have Victor Panoff. And we're going to ask them for their insights on our topic today the kinetic enterprise, conquering the complexity of a Contingent Workforce and Integrated Services Procurement. I am Bonnie D. Graham, so happy to be here. Can't wait to tap into the expertise, the knowledge of our panelists. So let's get started with introductions. I'm gonna go with Franz Dagelette first. Franz, please introduce yourself to our global audience. Tell them a little bit about what you do, what brought you to this moment in your career, and what's your passion for our topic. Franz, welcome.
2: Yeah, well, good morning, everyone, and good afternoon for everybody around the world. My name is Frans Dachlet. I am from the Netherlands, so my last name is a little bit hard to pronounce. I have been in the industry for over 20 years and have specialized in a number of topics. And uh, well, as I said, uh, normally I go with the flow. So some topics come, some topics go. Uh, we see that people are always at the heart of all the organizations that we work with and it is very important to sort of feel, feel have a feel for these people and have a, a good understanding of what they need because they make your organizations. Now, I've uh, worked in the digitalization of HR for over 10 years and also uh, regarding the people processes, I have uh, specialized in how to deal with permanent and contingent workforce to ensure that we have a complete overview of our integrated workforce, that we can manage as a, as our business, and as a and as a topic of of uh, sea levels around the world. Thank,
1: thank you, you for, thank you, Franz. Very very interesting. I, I have a I'll ask a question after we get all the introductions. But my question for the panel, just a a quick one, will be. As people are working remotely from home in non-dedicated spaces, sharing distracted environments, we'll call it, are more people becoming contingent workforce? Don't answer it now, but are we creating a new era of forced contingent workforce, of forced gig workers? Because people are not in the office and maybe they can't work full-time the way they used to. So let's save that for when we go around the panel. Sibby, you're up next. Sibby, we'd love to have you introduce yourself and what's your passion for the topic? Welcome. Welcome.
3: Good morning, Bonnie. I'm really happy to be here on the show today with my colleagues. Uh, it's interesting. I'm joining from Houston this morning. I wish it was a little more sunny here. It's rainy here, but I hope you know the day progresses better. I'm a specialist leader at Deloitte Consulting, and my focus area is really procurement and supply chain business transformation. I help organizations in building world-class procurement processes and systems that can help improve margins, and increase operational efficiencies. As you always hear from every organization, any reduction in dollars spent directly translates to saving. I bring many years of experience in multiple industries, doing global implementations of on-prem and cloud solutions to solve unique business challenges. Obviously, my passion is to help organizations with their digital transformation journey, really helping them build a truly end-to-end integrated solution with focus on user experience and simplicity. I always tell my colleagues, keep it simple. That's really the mantra behind it. I'm really looking forward for a great discussion today on contingent workforce management challenges, and we are really happy to share our experiences and point of view today.
1: Thank you very much. Experiences and POVs. That's what we're looking for. Appreciate it. it nice to meet you. And that moves us around the table. One more seat to Victor Pana. Victor, welcome so much. And we'd love to hear who you are. What do you do and what brings you to this part of our, well, our topic today? What makes you good about this? What makes you have a point of view? What's your passion?
4: Well, thanks, Bonnie. Thanks uh, for having me here. It's uh, great to have me part of uh, such a great discussion and, um, what brings me here is really my, uh, my my personal passion for human resource management, for just managing the, the human behind all the processes that we do. Um, one of the things that not a lot of people know about me is that I actually came from anthropology. This is where my uh,
0: ah.
4: focus area was in, in studying. And I somehow ended up in the HR field about six years before I actually landed in the contingent workforce space. So it's been always around, circled around people, around how we manage the, the workforce, it doesn't have to be necessarily contingent. Contingent has been my focus the last six years, and it's going to continue to be my focus, mostly because um, that we see this huge trend right now, there's a huge uptick of how contingent workforce is being managed, of where contingent workers are coming in from. And right now with the COVID-19 hitting, this topic is as hot as it's ever been. So my passion is going to keep on growing, but the roots come from the fact that I've always been interested in interaction between between people, how to help people get to the next level, and how to solve these big problems that organizations really have. Because if you think about it, we could focus on the small, tiny problems and what's kind of building up the the triage of possible solutions. But what's always been interesting for for big organizations, for for anybody who tries to move themselves around and and, kind of better themselves, is how to solve the big issues at hand how to make um, the workforce better, how to get people and the right talent at the right time, at the right cost, how to make sure that we have everybody aligned to do what they're supposed to be doing, and how to make them happy to do it, to do uh, and to get there in, the, in that path. So that's what moves me a lot. And I've been doing this for, like I said, six years in the HR field alone and then in technology itself, and then another six years specifically focused on the technology that brings about that change um, that enforces that.
1: Thank you, Victor. I feel like we just got a one-on-one primer, primer, however you say it, on the overview. The right people, the right place, the right time for the right organization on the right topics and make them happy. Let them be happy in their work. Is anybody still talking about people? Well, we used to talk about employee engagement, right? I haven't heard that word in at least eight months and we know what I'm referring to. Let me just quickly go around the table before we get to your opening quotes. And you all did a great job sending me very interesting quotes. Let's just go to Franz quickly. Franz, are we seeing an increase in people who are considered whether by their own terminology or by a company's terminology, contingent workforce because of this removal from on-site work to other places, offices, barns, yards, cars, vans, wherever they might be able to get a connection and work remotely. Let's just go two minutes around the table. Franz, what do you say?
2: Well, Bonnie, you're spot on. I I think that uh, a lot of people are more contingent than they ever were. Uh, What we see in studies that we've done over the years is that uh, the the generations are demanding a different workplace with a different angle towards Mm -hmm. how they experience work. So uh, employee engagement is very hot, both to contingent workers and, uh, and permanent uh, employees, it is something that uh, drives people to to be more the specialist that they want to be. To drive mm-hmm. them to be the very, a very, very pinnacle of their of their game, and, and and to be hired for those specific tasks or specific projects. Um, you see it in in more. Production environments, but also in 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 the in the offices, mm-hmm. that people are saying, okay, I want mm-hmm. to be hired for a specific legal job, I want to be hired for a specific mm-hmm. human job, and people are recognized for that, and uh, uh, we see a trend. Uh, with the young folk, that it is uh, the future for them, it's that they don't want to be in a career, they don't want to be in a job, mm. they want to just have experiences, they want to grow as a person, grow as a professional, and therefore contingency worker is not something that they use, but they experience and that they uh, live uh, continuously. And From my region, yep. we see, we see uh, over 25% of the <clears> throat> workforce throat> throat> aiming to be or already being contingent.
1: Fascinating. Thank you. I'm I'm taking it all in. Very, very interesting. The idea that people want to just specialize. when And, and I'm thinking of, uh, I know that the US automotive industry, I don't know about the rest of the world, but factories were shut down for 45 days. I have a radio client who's an organization of, of people in automotive. And it, I think it was a shock to everybody. And the question is, Is it safe for people to go back? What if they can't go back? What will they do for work? How will they contribute? How will they keep doing what they do if they can't be there where they need to be if they choose not to be for safety or health issues, for family issues? Fascinating. Sibi, let's go to you. A couple of minutes. Thoughts on are we seeing an increase in contingent workers because they choose to or because they have to or because companies are telling them you must be? What do you see?
3: I think there are three dimensions to it based on your generation. Gen Z's choose to be more freelancers. They want to follow their passion. They don't want to be boxed into the definition of job or, you know, employee uh, concept. The other part is obviously COVID 19 has been a catalyst to change the way things are done. Right. It does open up more opportunities. So definitely things will be changing or is already changing in the last six months to have more contingent workforce incorporated into the into the overall organization's uh, resources. Right. The other factor is now I can see a lot of organizations looking for a tool that can really manage this type of workforce. The influx of getting that people into the organization is more. Demanding and it is a change needed for the time. So these three factors really is you know driving the the concept of contingent workers becoming more and more a way of doing business as we go forward.
1: Thank you, and Victor Panov, let's get your POV on this. What do you see? What do you think?
4: Well, Bonnie, I think what's what's happening is that contingent workers are becoming more and more an integral part of the workforce that that builds the the overall workforce puzzle for companies. Um, getting the right talent at the right cost with the right risk consideration mm-hmm. and It's extremely important And a lot of big companies are facing this not just big small big all kinds of organizations across the across the the, the value chain are getting this as a as a as an area that they're putting a lot more um, focus on and property managed contingent workers which are definitely on the rise there's a lot of studies that are showing the the fact that a lot of individuals are being converted to convert, uh, contingent workers or they mm-hmm. themselves are going to the contingent workforce space simply because it provides them competitive advantage to better um, uh, exhibit their talents as well as allows for companies to be a little bit more flexible about how they reduce costs, how they engage more dynamically with individuals out there in the market and how to get the best talent at the right time at the right cost, provided the fact that there is a kind of a growing critical gap and the main components of what builds up the workforce for the core of the organization. We see contingent workers now really being in, ingrained into the core of what an organization does. A Typical functions such as HR, or strategic procurement, or even finance, the, back, the backbone of an organization now has a lot of contingent workers in it, simply because they bring in such skills and such Abilities that you couldn't necessarily tap onto yourself and, and allows the organization to see something from the outside and bring in that fresh new mind and perspective and bring it for a certain amount of time that it can control and have visibility to as well as allow them to actually manage the risk behind
1: this. Thank you, and you mentioned properly managed. That's a whole other topic, right? How does a company manage people you can't see, you don't know where they are, you don't know their workflow, you don't know how productive they are, you don't know if they're staying up all night, possibly at risk to their health or their families to get the work done because they're teaching a three-year-old or an eight-year-old. They're part-time teachers and caregivers. That's a whole other topic. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate allowing me to do the sidebar. It wasn't in our agenda for the show, but I thought it was interesting to just bring that to the fore at the front of our show to let people know that contingent is even more important now than it might have been, let's say, if we'd done this topic a year ago. October 2019 would have been a whole different conversation. So let's go on to the opening quotes. Franz Dajalet, I love pronouncing your name now, Franz, uh-huh. forgive me. Franz sent us a quote from John Lennon. I found out, I think I found the source of the quote. John Lennon, by the way, John Winston Ono Lennon. He took Yono, Yoko Ono, second wife's last name, before his own last name when he changed He was born John Winston Lennon, 1940 to, unfortunately, 1980. Uh, yes, he was assassinated. English singer-songwriter, peace activist gained worldwide fame as the co-founder, co-lead vocalist, and rhythm guitarist of the Beatles. Yay, I was a Beatle maniac when I was a teenager. Nobody say a word. And this was quoted apparently in the Sunday Herald Sun melbourne australia on january 13 13 2003 i don't know if you you found that research franz but i was looking for where he said it and here is the quote one two three four five six seven words beautiful quote reality leaves a lot to the imagination franz how did you pick this one and what does this have to do with our topic
2: well the thing is is that uh, John Lennon is, is is always been an inspiration from the songs that he wrote uh, the life that he lived and um and the the imagination that he gave people in his song. So, what I take from this quote is that you can look at like reality from one lens, but there are many more lenses to look at life and to look at what what it brings to you. And we tend to focus on what's in front of us, uh, rather than look at all the objectives that we can can create for ourselves and all the ideas we can create for ourselves. Now, the relationship to this topic is is quite quite easy, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in a tunnel as an organization, the tunnel is we need to be productive, we have to make the profits, we have to be, be focused, we have to make sure that we achieve our goals. Now, my challenge always is, and has been uh, across many subjects, but especially in this one, is how, how you can achieve goals in a different way. Are there more roads that lead to, lead to Rome, as they say, or is there just the one? Are there more more uh, ideas to be held? Are there more uh, perspectives to be found? Uh, How can we get the organization in better shape? How can we get our lives perhaps in better shape? Mm -hmm. So look at things from different perspectives and then decide what the best perspective is. Don't just go with the flow that you see, but create more flows to to, uh, create better outcomes. So in a, in essence, um, if we look at, for example, contingent workforce as a as a part of the of the organization one works in, it is very important to, to, to see what involves all of this and how you look at it from a human capital perspective, because an organization has a big, big investment in, in humans, in humanizing the organization and making sure that everybody makes the profit for the company. And the profit is not only the monetary profit, but also the intellectual profit, the purpose profit everything that makes an organization big and great that could encompass permanent workforce and contingent workforce Mm
1: -hmm.
2: my thought to the audience is have a think about how you look at it have a think about how you want it to be and if you're there already or that you need to do some work and that's more or less where the imagination piece of the reality comes to life
1: Thank you very much, Franz. Very appreciated. Uh, You brought up so many good points. We could spend a half hour talking about it, but I'm going to move on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, We love quotes from John Lennon. So let's go to Sibby. Sibby has sent us a quote from the character named Chris Gardner, played by the one and only Will Smith, in the movie The Pursuit of Happiness. And it was spelled H-A-P-P-Y-N-E-S-S, 2006 film. It's an American biographical drama directed by Gabrielle Muccino, starring Will Smith as Chris Gardner, a homeless salesman, and his own son in real life, Jaden Smith, co-starred making his debut as Gardner's son, Christopher Jr., blah, 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 and is based on Gardner's nearly one year struggle with being homeless. Here's the quote. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right. You dream. You got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. If you want something, go get it. Period. Oh, I hope I did that. Okay. Sibby, Sibby, bail me out here. I, I try to do it with the emotion that I think would have been in the movie. And I'm definitely no Will Smith. So Simmy, talk to me. How'd you pick this one? Love the quote. <laughs>
3: sure, sure, Bonnie. Yeah. As you see, as you talk, you know, you you are, Will Smith is playing the role of a homeless turned stockbroker, trying to balance his job, trying to meet ends as he's playing the basketball with his son, right? The the most important thing, this is a very touching scene if you really look at it, and it's a great quote for all parents who really want to Mm -hmm. teach their kids what to become and, you know, not to stop them from doing what they really dream of. Right. I always take that very close to my heart. Now, how is this connected to our topic today? Right. We are discussing challenges of contingent workforce management from the side of the organizations as well as from the side of the worker trying to achieve their dream. And as you can see, you know, the Gen Z workforce is really looking to come out of that box and Mm -hmm follow their passion. So telling somebody to say, you can't do this or you can't do that is no longer an option for organizations when they choose their workforce. But that's the key that I'm trying to touch upon um, in our topics today. One of the things I would like the, the audience to think through is that imagine if the organizations had the tools to manage their workforce, that way they can reduce their costs, increase efficiency and be agile in the, in the, in the market today. Imagine if there are marketplaces for workers like Hawksby in the UK or Flexing IT in in India and Singapore, where you could go and find new jobs, new engagement, new gig work, whatever you want to call it, right, to follow your passion. It doesn't have to be doing one monotonous job all the way. So that's the dimension that I want to bring today from this quote. As we talk through the day, you will see we'll be touching up most of these ideas of how the workforce is changing, what is the impact of that? People are struggling to find jobs, but imagine if there were opportunity compared to 2006 when the movie was made, if there are more opportunities, more marketplaces where you can find jobs, what it will be, right?
1: Thank you very much, Sibby. What comes to mind, my word that comes to mind is entrepreneurial mindset. Or entre- You have to think as though you are an entrepreneur for yourself. What can I do? What do I want to do? What's my passion? What are the opportunities? Can I find a job with company XYZ? Do I need to create my own little consultancy and offer myself? I've said this to people, friends who are out of work. I said, think about what you can offer, not just what jobs are posted. Who are you? What is the core? What are your strengths? What do you give? Not just... I'm a bookkeeper and I take care of books and I handle Excel spreadsheets back in the day. You know, what is the value you give? Some people couldn't, this particular friend couldn't think outside of the box of her own job description. She couldn't imagine where her value lay to to send, to share with companies. It was always, I need a bookkeeper job. So that's a whole mindset of thinking about who we are and what we contribute. My career path has certainly, I think it's my seventh career already, and I'm not done yet. Keep just reinventing. So let's go to Victor. Victor had the audacity to send me three quotes. Now, Victor, seriously, you honestly, and they were all good. And I researched them all, and I have background on all of them. And we're not going to use the one from Jerry Maguire, even though it's great you had me at hello. We're not going to use the one from the Joker, Dark Knight. Why so serious? I'm giving you some credit here, Victor, so I hope you know. We're going to use the one from Master Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back. Yoda, a fictional character, beloved by all in the Star Wars universe. First appearing in the 1980, 1980 film The Empire Strikes Back. He's a small green humanoid alien who is powerful with the force. He's the first appearance in the original trilogy. And let's go to the quote before I get myself in more trouble. Do do or do not. There is no try. Victor, great quote. We love this. What does this mean to our topic today? Go ahead.
4: Sure, Bonnie. Um, I mean, you probably know, I mean, a lot of people have seen Star Wars. So I'm not going to reenact the scene or what exactly is happening in it. But you, knew, you know that uh, George Lucas, he grew up in California in the 1970s, right? He's a product of this mashup environment with, with raging spirituality and all kinds of crazy things going on in the 70s that may or may not have transcend and changed our future today as well. But the, the idea behind it is there's, there's not just, it's, it's about the battle of evil and good. It's about uh, back in the day and even today in the spirituality world has this kind of um, stigma to it that it's either limited to the real life and theology and philosophy or it's not a product of it. It's just culture and religion. Um, that's the one aspect of it. It's just that it encompasses it, it so much and so little by, by giving you the, the sense of belief. And when Yoda tells uh, Luke uh, you know do or do not there's no such thing as try it's it's all about believing it's all about the two possible outcomes is either you succeed or you fail there's no in between and we've heard a lot from Steve Jobs and all the other big guys out there that failure is what actually teaches you and makes you better over the course of time so the idea behind here is that don't just try it. don't just give it 10% or 20% or 80% give it a 100% and if you do fail there's something to learn from it but if you succeed you're going to get the reap, you're going to get to reap all the benefits of it so if we put this into the perspective of the today's organization, there's no such thing as trying to, uh, to create a workforce organization and, and a workforce strategy. There's no such thing as trying to implement a product internally that's going to be managing your entire processes and, and bringing all the people to life and bringing all the contingent workers into a very coherent, strategic uh, way to manage them over the course of time. You can't just try it simply because organizations are spending an incredible amount of time and money and effort into getting themselves on the right path. If they just tried and they never, they would never be able to learn from that experience. The whole point is you just give it your best. You put all your best people to it. You get the best, you know, organizations to help you get to the to, the, to that end point in, in time. And then you, you will succeed. Or if you don't succeed, you will learn very well as to what you need to do better next time. So there's no such thing as just give it a try. That's the idea that I had behind this.
1: Thank you very much. And thanks for the three quotes. I really enjoyed looking them all up. I actually watched the clip from Jerry Maguire where Renee Zellweger is saying to Tom Cruise, just shut up. You had me at hello. Okay, we're going to go to our... Roundtable on our discussion statements. I had each of my panelists send me four statements on where we might take the conversation. And I'm looking at Franz. We're going to go with number three. This is a very interesting approach getting to, right, Franz? That's where we're going to go. The core. So Franz says, I'll read a little bit, just a little. He sent me a nice paragraph packed with information here. We're going to read a little bit, and then Franz will take it and talk for about two minutes, and then we'll go around the table. We'll get Sibby, and Sibby, you're going to agree or disagree. Don't be afraid to disagree with Franz. It's okay. I told him, I told him it's okay. And Victor's you can agree or disagree with either or both of them. So Franz, here's what you told me. You said to find talent and make them available to your organization, a certain level of automation is required. This means in effect that if we would do this the traditional way, we may lose speed and responsiveness to solve an immediate or a strategic problem. Franz Dagelett, go ahead, talk to me. What do we mean by this? Unpack, please.
2: Well, Bonnie, it, 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 it comes to, to everybody's mind when you find, want to find somebody, you go and search for somebody. And when you go and search for somebody, you already have to sort of make an effort to find your right profile, your right... So everything needs to be right. And that is something that takes a lot of time, and time is of the essence when you come to solve a problem. So if we talk about kinetic enterprises, being agile, being responsive, being very on top of things, you have to make sure that you are prepared and preparation usually uh, makes the master of of a problem. So if we we ensure that uh, we have a number of people in a talent pool which have been pre-scanned on their skills, on their legality of work, and all of these labor agreements, all of these areas that are necessary to put people on board, you will find that it is much easier for the person that owns the problem to solve the problem. So to create a workforce that is prepared for uh, an immediate problem, a strategic problem, or to make sure that you have the right person in the right place. So for example, you are an American organization and you have a talent in Australia, you need to be able to have that talent on your project, in your workforce within 24 hours. That is something that we think is the most important thing to think about when you talk about enabling a Strategic workforce enabling a contingent workforce to be able to solve your problem at the right at the moment that it's needed.
1: Interesting automation. Let's go around the table. Sibi Scaria, talk to me. Agree or disagree? You're up.
3: I have no option but to agree here, but <laughs> let me add these few topics too. Finding the right talent is also not that easy as. as was mentioning, right? It's, It's difficult to find. When organizations are looking outside, most likely they don't have any talent inside. So how do you find the right talent? That's the biggest challenge I think everybody is facing today because there is no place you can just go and find somebody. You can reach out to staffing agencies, you can reach out to other places. But I think one thing to add is really the evolution of talent marketplaces, which is happening more now. There's a lot of startups happening today to have more opportunities for talent pool to be available. Throw that work out there, see who can pick it up. You may find 10 people there now, but you need automated technology, automated processes to throw that work out there so that you can reach out to the global talent pool. We see this as like your global workforce available at your, at your disposal whenever you need it. You, you price it, you bought it, you should get it in no time, even maybe less than 24 hours to what France was trying to get. I think that's the dream you should really look
1: for. Interesting, gone are the days when it's, we have an interview set up for you with our HR recruiter. Can you be in our office with the right kind of suit, with the right kind of briefcase, with the right kind of shoes, right? Tuesday at 10 a.m. And if you don't keep this interview, we've got 50 other people applying for the job. Remember those days, ladies and gentlemen, when you had I remember schlepping and trekking all over Manhattan when I was living on Long Island looking for a job and the places I had to go in the portfolio I had to carry in the dead of winter going downtown and taking cabs and trains and having to go for an interview, wait hours sitting in a lobby for somebody to get off her international phone call so she could keep her appointment with me. To interview me and then telling me I wasn't right for the job in the first place. No, Victor, join us. Bail me out here. Thoughts on this automation aspect of finding people that fast as the French say, beep, beep. Victor, what do you think? Agree or disagree?
4: I mean, this is going to sound a little cliche, but yes, I do very much agree <laughs> okay. with those statements. I mean, if you think about it, automation isn't the foray of the forward thinking anymore. It's the actual that's at stake if you don't embrace automation you will be left behind and we've seen in the in the covid situation a lot of staffing firms for instance learned a very hard way um, during this crisis because they saw their workforce suddenly become scattered and remote with no access to places to go physical places to go on-premise solutions so um, in that case a lot of them took and a lot of also companies took a lot of uh, revenue hit and they had to immediately furlough or layoff employees, and they had to do a lot more with a lot fewer people. And, unders- and, and that's what uh, propels the need for intelligent automation that reduces the busy work of everyday interaction and meets the candidate where they live, wherever they are online or their mobile devices and multiple places at, at, at the same time. So the key to automation here is to to allow for companies to uh, enable their recruiters, their, their HR personnel, the people that are involved in that process to not only build, uh, to build up data and, and get the right person at the right time, but also build relationships because that's what's going to propel the entire industry forward. And just the machine data collection is just part of it, makes the whole the life a whole lot easier, but it's about getting the whole process automated, giving these tiny little nip bits of, of easiness that allows them to have a seamless process from end to end. So I t- couldn't agree more, really.
1: Thank you. We have three agreements there. Appreciate that. Very, very interesting topic. Let's move on. Sibia, I'm looking at your notes here, and I have decided to pick statement number 4 and you nodded to me, so I I gave you I just so our listeners know, I'm on Zoom. I have the pleasure and the privilege of watching my panelists think watching them react, respond. The nuances of live radio are now visual with the options on Zoom, with the opportunity on Zoom. So I send my panelists a little note telling them where I want to take the conversation next. I'm the dealer, I, I hold the deck of cards and I ask them to agree or disagree with me and I get it okay or I say, just not. And I look for that little bit of a headshake, nod to know. So Franz and I negotiated a little bit. I had two options for his statements, and we, I, I decided three was better, and he agreed, and Sibby likes number four. So here's what Sibby told me. He said, as the gig economy grows, gig economy, and we're talking about contingent workforce, the need for intelligent workforce management systems that can do the due diligence, now listen carefully, due diligence, risk assessment, and continuous monitoring of worker engagements is vital. Sibi, let's approach this aspect of our exciting topic. Why don't you take us through this? And then Victor will be next, sitting next to you. Victor, I don't know if you dare to disagree with him. I'm not sure where you're going to go on this. And Franz will be third on this one. Go ahead, Sibi.
3: Thank you, Bonnie. I, I think we all talked about having the contingent workforce to be part of the labor uh, for every organization. Now, how do you really do it? I think that's the topic we're really going to cover. How do you cover the risk? How do you do the due diligence of hiring a contingent worker to do the particular task you want to do? Now look at from the side of the organization. How do you know what this person's skill set is? How do you know this person is trained and educated or can handle the job? How do you check the background of this particular resource before coming and onboarding into the organization as a contingent worker? You need to make sure there is a way to bring them in, and bring, you know, as you mentioned about the, the interview piece, how do you interview them, right? How do you make sure the skill set, the, the qualifications, everything that the person is claiming is accurate? How do you make sure that this is the right resource you want to bring in to solve the problem you are trying to solve? So the tool, the, the solution, which is the intelligent workforce management solution that you want to implement in your organization. Should be capable of hiring. When I say hiring, figuring out recruiting that particular resource, identifying the right resource for that job by verifying their skills, certifications, previous employment history, and so on. And then finding out, okay, what is the rate that I'm willing to pay to make sure that you are cost effective compared with different resources, as well as. As you onboard that particular worker, once you get the worker into, okay, you recruited CB or Bonnie, for example, here, right? What is the next step to, to make sure that the person is immediately oriented through your onboarding process into the organization? How fast you can get them onboarded? How do you get the organizational culture, core values, ethic, compliance, all of the things you want to have? similar to the employees you have, right? They have taken a lot of time to get that training done, a lot of time to make sure that the person is ready to go and do the work immediately. So the challenges are very high there to do that due diligence, to make sure you are not violating any local regulations, for example, there are a lot of policies around, you know, working uh, and hiring a consultant. So you have to have a system that can really check all these things in a more smart way and a fast and efficient way so you know you can get that resource in the 24 hours that Franz was mentioning. That like how fast you can do all of these activities in making sure the risk assessment is done correctly. The same applies as you offboard the person as well as you go through the process. How do you make sure that this person is? flagged for future use or flagged for not to be hired any further, right? So that's all part of the systems that you build. You should have a system that can actually do this due diligence and this
4: assessment for you.
1: Thank you very much. Victor Panov, join us. Agree or disagree? What do you think?
4: I agree, but I also have a couple of our other points to bring to mm. the- Um, as well. So what we've we've been seeing, especially right now with the whole COVID world, is that a lot more companies are getting into what we call the direct sourcing channels. They're trying to attract and engage and retain temp labor and contingent workforce through direct sources of uh, of, of, of engagement. And in order to get this um, done properly to some of CB's points and a few that I want to add as well, we have basically four major pillars to this. One is the strategic enablement. How do we make sure that we have the proper hub or proper activity that's going to guide the users on the buying side of the organization to get the proper channel for that individual to be Engage with the company? How do we get a deeper insight into the performance of the individuals that are coming in They get a live insight into the business to business collaboration that, that those individuals are bringing to the table? So that's the strategic enablement part of this. The other part that CB was mentioning I do definitely agree with is the risk management portion of it. The risk management is very important because at the moment a lot of, uh, a lot of new workers are going to be coming into the force. A lot of different uh, forces are going to be, to be driving the interaction between companies and they're opening the door to a lot more like I said earlier core business functions of the organization. So being able to protect the vital part that makes an organization what they strategically do on the market and how they compete on the market is exactly going to be ingrained in the way they actually manage their contingent employees. Having a set of KPIs as well as ways to to manage risk uh, from an organizational standpoint, bringing in new individuals into the company is going to be extraordinarily important over the course of time. And then the other two parts of this is the business benefits in general. How much of cost is being reduced? How fast can we get acquisitions going? How much savings can we realize? Is it a possible way to actually lower our um, error, margin of error when when we're engaging? And as soon as 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 we do payments out to those workers that are coming in. And the final piece of it, which is the the one that kind of ties it all together, is the adoption of that technology that that Civi was talking about. So the high level of automation that we talked about before will lead to more to the ability to focus on more strategic tasks uh, into into growth it's going to allow for more productivity for more intuitive pursuits of um, talent as well as requisitioning tools and business oriented shopping experiences if you want to call it so it's basically what do you put in your in your shopping cart to get yourself to the very high quality candidate the good service that you're looking for for the amount of time that you're set for it in the limited capacity that you have both from in terms of time as well as uh, as well as cost so there's a very big movement in, in that's in that, in that space and especially like i said the direct sourcing activities that are happening right now across the board is something that is going to propel those four pillars of how we move the organization into a more intelligent and more coherent suite of of uh, both applications as well as processes to drive those um, to those motions forward.
1: Thank you, Victor Franz Dajolet, Join us. Thoughts, please.
2: Well, as my colleagues have uh, have uh, confronted me with the lawnmower effect, so some of the <laughs> some of the grass <laughs> <has> been <laughs> cut already. I want to uh, going back to my my uh, my quote, uh, put a different lens on, on on some of these elements. So uh, we are now in the back office of the of the company, and it's always important to think about the back office, but usually the work gets done gets executed in the back office. But let's also take the human aspect of this. We are dealing with people, and people need to have a motivation to work to be able to transfer the energy to uh, the team that they work in, the clients that they work with. So you all have you all have these projects that you say, okay, I need the energy, I want that energy. How do I pr- propel that into that team, and how do I make sure that that happens at, at the at the moment that we need it? So apart from all the very essentials that uh, the, that uh, that and and Victor have uh, have shared already, there's also this: how do people fit? How do we get the right? the right personality in? How do we make sure that the person gets onboarded in a way, not just from a legal or a procurement perspective, but also from a, an onboarding people perspective? How do they develop themselves? What type of energy do we put into it as an organization to make sure that they feel valued And that they make the best of the time that they're with us sometimes we can have several stints of 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 engagement with with uh, these individuals and we want them to come back because we do not want to lose the knowledge that they have gained in our organization we don't want to lose the the investment that we've done for with them so from that perspective, they have to fit and they have to be able to come back with that energy and, and with the with the human aspect and say, listen, I connect with the company that I work with, I connect with the energy, I connect with the purpose, and I connect with my co-workers. That is an essential part of this contingent workforce as well, which usually is underestimated because people think, well, it's a production factor. We have to make sure that they are productive, but also the and, and we all know what we mean here, we have to bring this to life for ourselves as well, we have to get out of bed and make sure that we bring our best to, to our, our job at that moment in time. So I think together with the valuable comments of my colleagues here, I think I could concur, but do not underestimate the human value and the human development in this.
1: Thank you very much. I'm going to bring up a little sidebar here, but I have a statement picked out next. We're going to go to one of Victor's that we haven't talked about yet. My sidebar is we don't talk about the people who are defining the jobs, the roles. Who hired them? What's their point of view? Are they part of the quote-unquote old guard, the status quo? How do they know exactly what kind of contingent workers they need? Where is the company going? Whose vision creates those? Have you ever looked at job descriptions? Online? And and it's just rhetoric and it's just words and words and words. This is a company for self-starters, and you will have the career of your dream. And I read them sometimes. I haven't looked for a job in a long time because I've created my own new career here on radio 10 years ago. I created this for myself. Nobody was doing it this way. My point is that when you look at job descriptions, it's blah blah blah. They all sound this is the best place to be, and you will have and you get to the job. I'm thinking when you could actually go to an office and you say, what, is this what I signed up for? Are these the people I'm going to be working with? So I I almost think we need to spin a brand new topic at some point in the future on who is deciding what jobs need to be filled? What is their vision? What is their looking outside the box? We need contingent workers to do what? What does the company want to do? Where do we want to go? Where do we see our vision that we need the energy, the intellect, the passion, the entrepreneurial mindset, perhaps in a contingent workforce that we aren't going to get in the full time that we used to have. Just a thought I'm just putting out there. Franz, you want to say something? Because I want to move on. Franz?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and you're absolutely right. Because uh, what we what we see in discussions that we have with 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 leading people in organizations is, do you make conscious decisions on who you want to hire, what you want, to, what do you want to be famous for, what your purpose is, and usually, would they draw a blank and they say, yeah. well, I need to have a think about it. So wh- wh- what we do is we create this this thought within leadership, saying, okay, what is your purpose? What what do you p- want people to follow? Why do you want people to go? And why do you want to do that? Because that is your labor communication. So that's your communication, your brand communication to the market. It will draw or it will not draw people to your company. It will give people an insight on how you work. So we also tell them, the interview process is usually a hosanna. You go through all tests. And you all know you're great. You will have to come on board. <laughs> we want to have you. And day one is horrible because the reflection of what they told you you want to do and what you're actually gonna encounter in the in the organizations is totally different. So we, yep. we tend to focus on both sides so permanent and contingent labor so we look at it as an integrated workforce management proposal to say listen this is your proposition to your workforce make sure they believe it they live it and they act it and you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right that sometimes it is technical it is not reflecting what they actually do Mm -hmm. and that could change over time but people have to have to learn to how to do that and they usually need help because they are stuck
1: yes not, not the way we were taught. We would be getting jobs, any right. of us, really. Let's go to Victor's statement number two, and there's a, there are two nuggets in here. I want to focus on Victor. We've got ooh, eight and a half minutes left to the show, but this is important, and you'll you'll take your two two and a half minutes, and then we'll quickly get. Franz and Sabi to chime, and then we'll do our crystal ball predictions at the end. So Victor told me, he said, intelligent spend management is part of the kinetic enterprise. That's our topic is about laser focus on visibility, agility. Here's the thing I want to talk about customer experience and driving tangible business outcomes. We know the purpose is the business has to thrive, survive, make money. Otherwise, there is no business. Let's talk about how does this all work with customer experience? Victor, why don't you take this one, please? It's yours
4: sure sure Uh, let me just unpack real quickly what we mean by visibility focus the first thing is the visibility is the ability for us to collect and make sense of meaningful data that's not going to silo us in unrecognizable patterns so it's the idea to see your workforce all the way through to the last possible worker scattered somewhere in the factories you might have or sitting somewhere on a desk in a remote location that's number one number two is the focus being able to get the Proper impact with a direct scale uh, to get maximization in the way you purchase your goods and services over the course of time with the help of that contingent uh, workforce enablement. And agility is the ability to respond faster to the to the changes and, and adapting to changes in the marketplace, especially right now in the COVID world, that's become a pivotal business process towards driving a com- organization to the right outcomes. And when we talk about customer experiences, I- I'll give you the best possible uh, um, kind of example that I have, which is our own organization. Deloitte went through the implementation of a full-on, intelligent, kinetic enterprise, kinetically enabled, um, uh, focused uh, solution that allowed us over the course of time to get full uh, total control of our spending tracking into the unique requirements for each of the category and process that we have we were able to uncover hidden spend and manage processes from end to end we realized over the course of a, of a, of a, the first year of implementation was just ten. Million pounds a year. That was our UK unit that was able to realize those savings and standardize a lot of the processes that were before scattered across the different units um, and scattered across the different kind of relationships that we were building with both the supply base, the individual workers that were coming in place, and we were able to get this simplified, more clear authorization process and and, and a commitment to to spend that allowed us to to grow the our contingent workforce by a bit about 50% or so and gain experience and expertise that provided us the roadmap that's going to benefit our organization over the course of time. So that's, that's a perfect example of how we bridged the, what we were expecting the technology to do. we were expecting those three pillars of visibility, focus, agility to bring forward to us and the actual business outcomes, which were very tangible and very much measurable over the course of time. Having done that very pain uh, kind of Thoughtful exercise and putting a lot of the the effort into getting the right technology, enabling the right processes and satisfying our own organizational needs.
1: You are living the use case, right, Victor? You, Deloitte, has lived the use case and lived to tell about it. And that's good to know. I like the way you phrase that. We are four and a half minutes till the end of the show, but I really want to get a quick comment on agree or disagree from our other two panelists. Franz, why don't you just take 60 seconds to respond and then Siby, and then we'll go to our predictions round and that'll be about 45 seconds each. Franz, go. Veet, veet.
2: So I, I, I'm so happy that, uh, that Victor used the lenses that we, we, uh, we tend to sort of look at from, from all angles on our organization. I think a holistic view of your company, a holistic view of, what you want to achieve, who your customers are, who your suppliers are, who your uh, ecosystem is, is quite crucial in being the, the 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 company of the future and making sure that you're always on top of things. So I I wholeheartedly agree, and I hope that people understand the holistic view that we are pro- propelling here in, into this uh, into the air.
1: Thank you, Sibby. Agree or disagree with Victor and or with Franz? Go ahead, Vic. Go ahead, Sibby.
3: Some additional comments on customer experience. You have to look both internal and external customers here. Your employees trying to get the worker, the experience of going through that recruitment process, and you want to give the same experience for the worker who is joining as if you will give the experience to your employees. So you want your onboarding process to be exactly the same, your trainings, your performance management, all of that should be the same so that they also feel part of the organization, part of the team, and they are performing right from day one.
1: Thank you very much. We are officially well into the crystal ball predictions round. And because we're looking at the clock, I've got two and a half minutes to wrap up. So I'm going to give you each, instead of saying 30 seconds or 60 seconds, I'm going to give you one sentence on your prediction of what will happen with intelligence, spend management, contingent workforce, anything we've talked about, one sentence prediction, starting from today, anytime out till 2025. Franz Dajolet, one sentence. What do you see?
2: I see that uh, the workforce will change dramatically and that people will make deliberate choices how to organize their companies into more uh, task-based and uh, strategic-based uh, uh, parts of their organization to enable them to be more agile in the future.
1: You did it. One sentence, a couple of commas. Very nicely done. Scaria. go ahead. Siby. what do you see? I think the
3: way things are changing ra- radically, like education is changing, it is going to be going beyond country borders, opening up more opportunities across the world for freelancers to pursue their dream. I think that's what is going to happen in the next few years.
1: Thank you. Also very optimistic. Victor, you get the last word on the predictions before we wrap. Go ahead.
4: Sure. I think 21, uh, 2021 in our words is going to bring a huge shift in the way individuals are reskilled and the way that engagement of those individuals is going to happen. And we're going to see a huge uptick of even more so different streams of how contingent workers, the gig economy, and multi-channel workforce is going to be enabled. And we're going to see this in a very large scale across organizations, across geographies, and across the remote world, especially because right now organizations are realizing that you can get talent and you can work with individuals from all across the world and just get exactly the same even heightened productivity over the
1: course of time. Thank you very much. You all behaved beautifully at that point. I appreciate it. I just have to say, I love the word talent. We used to be called workers, staff, employees, right? And in a couple of years ago, we started talking human capital. Okay, that's a little, I don't know, a little corporate, but talent? We're going to hire talent. I think that makes people feel good about themselves. You are the talent we're looking for. Just Just a comment. I can't thank the three of you enough. It has been such a I'm going to use the word delight. It's been a delight getting to know the three of you, the way you think, the way you put ideas together, your deep knowledge on the topic, and your passion. And that's what makes for a great conversation. I want well, you to all put your hands together for Igosa Obakpolor for helping to put this. Oh, Igosa just joined us very recently uh, to help manage these these sessions, these shows, and. Uh, it goes, so we appreciate it. I'm all tongue tied because I'm so grateful to you. Carla Neal, let's have it for Car- here for Carla Neal, who has been working with me all year on the series and Helen Tomas also at Deloitte for having faith in this series and we are just delighted. We've got almost 50,000 listeners around the world and that is wonderful. We're making a difference and let's hear it for Aaron. Put your hands together for Aaron, my engineer extraordinaire, he calls himself my sidekick and he earned that title. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from my panelists. Franz Dajalette, thank you for letting me pronounce your name on live radio. Siby Scaria, welcome, Melso And Victor Panov, thanks for all the great quotes. Everybody, be safe, be smart, be savvy. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.